Let us know. Let us know. Joel puts the no and let us know. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 78. Today is April 10th, 2020. And I'm joined as usual by Nigel Houghton, Joel Essler, Craig Williams, and Matthew Olney. And today we want to talk about a few things. Uh, we have a, had a big fingerprinting post come out that we're going to go over. Uh, that was some pretty big news. And we also want to spend a good bit of our time today talking about the global efforts to collaborate and combat COVID-19 scams. Some interesting info coming around there as we've had some time to look at that now. We're going to start today off the same way we start off every episode. We're going to go around the table. And I think the rule is you have to have a fun filter on to get called on. So only that would put you up first. I, I turned my filter off, so I don't have to Too talk. Late. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I would like to thank uh, Rainbow Six user uh, uh, I Love Jaeger's Toes for making me laugh the other day. Uh, we were tied up 2-2 uh, on a best of five, and he hadn't said anything the whole time, and I was playing Jaeger, and I Love Jaeger's Toes said, Jaeger Daddy. <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I said, if we win, you can have toes. And then, <laughs> which may not have been my best decision ever. <laughs> so Matt has been quarantined too long. <laughs> and then, uh, but we lost. So poor Mr. I Love Jaeger's Toes had to go without because he didn't do what he needed to do to win. What's really funny is I just but, happened to look down and saw that Matt had written in or someone had written in for Matt. Uh, looking distracted during meetings for his roundtable topic today on the run oh, sheet. Oh, so that I, was, I put that in a couple days ago. It's just still applicable. It's, it's completely <laughs> applicable. <laughs> Let's go up above you to Nigel Houghton. You are up next, sir. What's on your mind today? Hey, Nigel, we're here. Holy crap, huh? he woke up. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, like, he was a thousand percent comatose. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was soldering. I swear. <laughs> I, I was I was checking on the uh, the blade of this here screwdriver because, you know, you just unscrew that and then it comes out. And unfortunately, it has flat end on both ends and I don't have any other bits for this. And I was just thinking, where the hell did I get this from? Because I would like some other bits for it. And um, so, wait, can we just back up to where I was being accused of not paying attention during meetings? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Second, I'd like to cover that you need a screwdriver to operate your screwdriver. Ah, I noticed oh, that yeah. too. No, that's to change <laughs> the uh, that's to change the blade in it, right? So it's got a little hex thing going on here. And, if I were a screwdriver company, you know, that's how I did not comes design out, it. And then you can <laughs> turn it round and stuff, and then put. But but in order to work that screwdriver, you need a a, a hex yes. driver. I, I've had this for like I don't know, way too many years. Certainly more than one, um, probably less than twenty. But uh, sometime around there, so I can't remember where I got it from. So I can't remember where to get the blades from. I have to look it up on the internet or something. Hold on, hold on. Are we going to skip over how Nigel indexes his life? <laughs> it's either one year or twenty. There's no middle ground. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. Right. <laughs> That reminds me. So my wife sent me this picture this morning, and it was of you know those little cookie cutters things, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Those things. Well, she got it from her sister, and the reason why she sent 
this uh, her sister sent her the picture first was because she was apparently there my wife and her sister have been tidying out cupboards and drawers and things and swapping pictures with each other about what they've done, admiring their, each other's handiwork and stuff. And uh, the reason why she sent her this one was because she got it out of the drawer and couldn't remember what it was supposed to be when you cut it out because it's just the outline shape, obviously. And then you have to paint in the icing to make whatever it is. And... Um, yeah, I tried all kinds of stuff like reverse image searches on the Googles and all that kind of thing. I have absolutely no idea. The only thing I can think that it kind of looks like would be like a, like a Pikachu maybe, but I don't know why she would have that. I'll send you the picture, Mitchell, and you can put it up with this with the post for this uh, episode. Then if anybody can find it, I would be most yeah, grateful. Let's, let's crowdsource you know. Red's crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it helps me out, right? Because then I don't have Listen, to spend Matthew, any more time Matthew. looking for this, and it keeps We're talking peace. about Red's cookies here, right. bro. Like... We know that these, these are, are Red's important to homemade her. Yeah. cookies. Yeah. yeah, no, she's pro cookie. Yeah, yeah for sure. These are important to these her. Important and if it's things. important to her, that means it's now Nigel's life's work. And if it's important to Nigel, it's important to us. That's right. I Sometimes. mean, it's, it's I mean, all no, about sure. keeping everybody safe, right? And, um, <laughs> st- starting I think with Nigel me. just said, please don't let me die. <laughs> yeah, starting with me. <laughs> and um, yeah. So her sister would very much like to know what this cookie cutter is for, and so would we now. And uh, it's going to bug me until we find out. There you go. Can 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 you post a picture of it, and maybe we can? Yeah, I'll send you the picture. Yeah, just tweet it. Yeah, I'll I'll do that too. <laughs> I'll do it now. In fact, you talk to Craig or something. I'll do that now. There's a don't Joel. Talk, What's on your mind? Today, don't talk buddy? to Joel because I like listening to Joel. I'm going to tweet this picture. Talk to Craig. <laughs> <laughs> So, Craig, what's on your mind? What's on your mind, buddy? You know, when I go evil, so in like 30 minutes and things keep going on this path, I'm going to pass off my malware (laughs) as some meeting filters. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the the boom in meeting filters is real. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of feel like the attack surface there has grown exponentially over the last couple days. Just right along that coronavirus curve. (laughs) (laughs) Joel, what's on your mind today, buddy? Everybody needs to just stay in their house. I've got crap to do this summer, people. And stop touching your face and being around other people. Wait, didn't you spend the start of this crisis in Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah, it's relevant <laughs> to what I'm talking about. Haven't you been going right to the neighbors? <laughs> only because, and, uh, only because they canceled his cruise that he was... That's irrelevant to what I'm talking about. Everyone stay in your house. Damn, Joel is a good politician. I never saw it until now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you people. Yep, those people. <laughs> people. Sure. Joel, you need to stop watching Ozark and get back on the Call of Duty. Otherwise, you're probably fine. Yeah. The, the, uh, our VP is going to fire you. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he texts me every night. Like, there's not only like the group text that we have or yep. the room that we have in WebEx I Teams. He sp- and you sometimes, but he specifically texts me every night. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, dude. Because that's the first thing that Go we down ask. In your basement. Because <laughs> that's the first question I ask when we get on and we're on there together. I'm like, and yeah. it's, okay, where's Joel? Don't know. Where's yeah, Nancy? So, I so I, I was able to actually get the game downloaded. Like, got all well, the DLC and everything downloaded. It only took you four years installed. to download the thing. So. <laughs> well, I have, I have a confession, <laughs> Nigel. Yes. Nigel, I have a confession. Okay. Like, remember, remember the other night when I was trying to get everything to download? Yeah. 
uh, to, to start playing. And I was talking about how like my bandwidth was totally sufficient for my network needs. Yeah, well, sufficient. I, I really wasn't, I really wasn't factoring in that the reason that is, is because of how throttled I have my kids network. Ah, guess which network my Xbox yeah, is on. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You, you are not the first person to have QSL S themselves <laughs> into a true. <laughs> this is true. Hey, so we have a new VLAN now. Excellent. It is specifically for the Xbox that has... Dad's, dad's Call of Duty time. <laughs> yes. It gets switched over at 10 p.m. Uh, every all night. All of a sudden, hey, all yep. the bandwidth is available. Weird. Yes. Yes. It's weird how that happens. It is. So uh, we had a couple things we do want to talk about in all seriousness today. And uh, just I know that we're kind of maybe causing episode whiplash with you guys <laughs> listening right now. I that don't we're doing apologize. like a, a, a regular episode. And that, yes, it is. This is totally my. This is totally my fault. Actually, I think it was Matt's fault. Let's blame Matt. He's. It just totally seems like it was his idea. <laughs> I'll take it. That's wow. I'll take it. I'll take Mitch it. Mitch from being responsible to like, no, no, Matt. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to be under this bus by myself. And um, we're in a post-responsibility era. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, but uh, we are causing a little bit of episode whiplash, I'm sure. So we, we're we're still doing our regular every other week episode that we've always been doing, uh, but we've decided now uh, the last episode you would hear if you go back is is a little bit more freeform. It's just us getting together on the off Friday that we're not recording, uh, that we weren't recording, and recording just uh, us hanging out and everything. And it's a little raucous. There's literally no security knowledge to be had in every other episode uh, for the time being. Just letting y'all know, but they're fun. And we want to spend some time hanging out with each other, and we want to spend some time giving you guys something to listen to, and, and hopefully it's enjoyable. But to that end, this is one of our normal episodes today. So we do have a couple things we really want to talk about. Uh, the first one, we released a post on fingerprinting the other day that was really interesting and got a lot of press pickup. Literal Craig, this came out of literal yeah, fingerprints. Yeah. Uh, this came out of your group. Uh, do you want to tell us? Craig, Craig had his fingerprints all over this. <laughs> So let me just uh, preface this with kind of how we got into it so people understand the mindset going in. Um, right around when we started this project or when we started thinking about it, which was a while ago at this point, was when they were doing fingerprint-based biometrics at most airports. So, uh, you know, like the global entry type stuff, and you'll run into it in uh, other countries as well. You know, you go through customs, you scan your fingerprint, it knows who you are, maybe it takes your photo or you hold up your passport, and then you can just walk through. It's like the fast way to go. So we thought, well, if you're doing that, what is the risk of them scanning your fingerprint, right? Um, and so we wondered, like, well, 3D printing is obviously something that exists now. And if those of you who know Paul on my team, Paul is a literal artist. Uh, he 3D prints amazing models. His paintwork is phenomenal. And he's been doing this as a hobby. And so he proposed the idea, well, what if I try to make... Uh, fingerprints that would fool a scanner and we all thought it was an interesting idea and so we kind of started going down the path of what is actually possible so we, we started looking at the research that was already done in this field and the one thing that jumped out was basically that there wasn't a lot of details released right and so what it left the field with is a lot of fud around fingerprints which we don't like you know we don't want people to have fear or uncertainty about a solution we want them to either be confident in it or understand the weaknesses and plan for those to be potentially exploited so that they can have a good security posture and so what we decided to do was define a clear methodology for creating the mold for the prints, collecting the prints, making prints off the mold, and then testing it across various vendors. And to be honest, when we went into this, we didn't know how successful it would be. We knew it was possible. We knew people had talked about doing it, but there was no 
clear metrics or details about anything. It was all basically done closed source and then presented to the press directly. And so the details were a little bit fuzzy. Uh, and so it turns out creating fingerprints using home 3D printing technology is very possible. It's able to do it at a low cost. It's reasonably reliable. And we set an arbitrary budget of about $2,000, not because we didn't want to invest in the project, but because we wanted to have something realistic, right? Obviously, if you're facing a nation state, they're going to have a limitless budget. They're going to have specialty built equipment for this, and they're probably going to be able to do it incredibly quickly. Yeah, they're not buying their stuff off the shelf. That's right. You know. And so we wanted to say, well, what if you're, uh, you know, uh, an organized criminal, right? Let's say you run a malware network and you'd love to position yourself as someone over here so that you can implant something in their network of work or something like that. So we thought $2,000 was reasonable. Uh, now, here's where it got interesting, right? We could produce the molds, right? If you've done any 3D printing and you actually look at your prints in detail, there will be, um, let's call them tiny issues, little imperfections. And those little imperfections can create a significant problem when using these molds to create prints. Uh, on average, it took Paul, who's been doing this for years, weeks to get good molds and good prints out of the molds. So while it is easy to do this on one level, it's very easy to get the equipment, it's very easy to start production, it involves a lot of time, experience, and effort to actually turn that into a usable print. So The failure rate's high, yeah. Yeah, the failure rate is through the roof. And if you look at the post, we have a picture of Paul's fail bucket and it's, you know, Paul works hard. <laughs> it was a little bit of trial and error. Um, and so let's, let's assume that you can do that, though, right? Because we proved that that's possible, even if it is time-consuming and a significant amount of effort. And so then that gets down to collection. Now, um, I do want to point out, because a lot of the vendors highlighted this, this all assumes that the fingerprint you're able to collect is enrolled. And there are people who only enroll one print. You know, maybe I enroll only my ring finger on my left hand because I tend to not touch stuff with it or my pinky finger or whatever, right? Um, you know, on the internet, people have enrolled all kinds of strange and inappropriate things. But, you know, when you do enroll something, though, if you look at it, so this is the way I try to explain it to my mother, right? People think fingerprints and biometrics are secret, and they're not. You know, uh, I, I compared it to basically a social security number, right? It was this thing made that was intentionally thought to be somewhat secretive, but then the reality was it was used every day so often that it became not a secret. And it's not something that you necessarily leave laying around intentionally everywhere, but anybody who wants to collect one can. And you know, we all know with our fingerprints, we touch cups, we touch windows, we touch all kinds of stuff leaving prints behind. And so that's why we had the different collection methods we you know, go through in detail in the post. But long story short, uh, what it really boiled down to was most vendors had made a very clear choice to have the prints basically have low accuracy. And that doesn't mean they didn't design it with security in mind, right? Uh, when it comes to fingerprinting, they're having to make that fundamental trade-off that every single security technology has had to make since the padlock, right? Security versus ease of use. Well, when you say low accuracy, what, do you, what, do you, what does that mean? Yeah, so it's, it's security versus ease of use, you know? So imagine I wake up, I unlock my phone with my fingerprint. It works great. You know, my fingerprint is perfect, my hands are clean. It's great. The problem is, after a long day at work, banging on a keyboard and go to the gym and rub my hands all over weights for a while, maybe I go play with a dog, throw a ball, go for a swim, and really mess up my fingerprints, 
Then I got to unlock my phone again to get in my car. And so what the vendors were stuck with was we want people to use biometrics, right? That's the entire purpose of this endeavor is so that people secure their devices. But we've got to lower the accuracy so that it works 100% of the time. Because if people have to scan their thumb two or three times, there's a huge portion of the population who just won't use it and they won't have a password. And there's another portion who would rather just use a password. Yeah. So it's trying to eliminate the false negatives and stuff. So if it's 100% yeah, accurate, it'll work 60% of the time. But if it's 60% accurate, it'll work 100% of the time, like that kind and of And that's exactly what we see in our results. For the vast majority of vendors, they were defeated with every single collection method. Um, Microsoft was the standout with a very, very picky reader. Um, we're not entirely sure what algorithm they've chosen, but hats off to them. They did a great job. You know, I don't have a Windows phone. I'm, I'm reasonably certain no one has a Windows phone to test it with. <laughs> so, uh, well, I so, mean, there, we, we've only had about 3 million downloads on this podcast. So, like, there's, you know, a good chance probably two of our listeners have a Windows phone. Okay, so if you're one of the two, if you have a Windows phone, please tweet us and let us know how the fingerprint reader works. They, they don't have a Twitter app for Windows phone, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so if you're one of the two users, if both of you could get together and uh, just shoot me an email or tweet me. P.O. Box. <laughs> just, I forgot, it doesn't do web either. <laughs> call 1-800-TEXT-CRAIG. <laughs> so I, I do want to capture one last thought before we kind of open the floor to discussing. Um I want everyone to realize that the way to think about this is not that biometrics are insecure and ruined. Basically, the biometrics on your phone are the lock on your front door. You know, it keeps out the vast majority of criminals. If a nation state or a really well-funded adversary wants through that door, they're going to get through the door, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it still serves its purpose. It's still incredibly valuable. And for the vast, vast majority of users, it's perfect. The reality is if you're in that tiny fraction of people who are worried about well-funded attackers or adversaries coming after you, you shouldn't be using biometrics anyway. You need to be using a complex, unique password with multi-factor authentication. And the really good news here is no matter what camp you're in, either way, there's a, you know, you're either using biometrics and happy, or you can simply go to the settings menu and switch it over to password. So the workaround is already there on your phone. We had a really good discussion about this. Um, in the planning call, and to kind of dig into to what to what Craig was talking about is, a lot of times when you see stuff like this, you have to you have to understand that a a vulnerability in in say Apache is fundamentally different than the fact that you can replicate a fingerprint because with Apache there's no nothing blocking you to getting that with biometrics. That initial physical access is part of your security layer. Same thing with with your front door lock. Um, you're not worried about Eastern European criminals breaking into your house and stealing your stereo because they would have to come here. You have no doubt that if they came here, they could get in your house. It, they would go through a window or through your door or they would beat you up and take your keys. All of those things are possible. But you have accepted that that's that 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 physical proximity is unlikely and a lock is sufficient for what you're doing. So we were a lot of people tend to freak out about this stuff. And I think what Craig's just trying to say is it's not a, it's a, it's a thing to consider when you are assessing your risk profile. And so um, I think one of the, the interesting kind of subsequent things we heard about was a, uh, a couple of vendors that had certified fingerprint um, um, uh, readers 
actually reached out to you, I guess, and we have the option of potentially looking at those as well. We, we, we haven't taken them up on, on the offer yet, but there are different levels of quality that are available. So, you know, don't throw the baby out. And also worth mentioning is, you know, Paul is both a leading expert in security and 3D printing. Like, he has a really specialized <laughs> skill set here. Like, yeah, yeah it's. He's, he's got a pretty nifty uh, Venn diagram he's running right there. <laughs> yeah. also, you're, it's uh, literally a sort. Using a fingerprint is way more secure than not using anything at all or, you know, like a four-digit numerical pen. So if you're using a fingerprint 90%, you know, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, and I think I just want to I just want to call out you know Apple for doing such a great job getting people to stop using nothing. You know, I mean, we're all skewed because we work in security and we see people who know the best practices. But think back, like five years ago when Touch ID was invented, most people had nothing on their phone. Most people, you just swiped up and it opened. Right. And so, you know, when this biometric stuff first became popular, that was really the first time everyone started securing their phone. I would say with the biometrics and that was, I think that Android did the pattern password thing like right around the same time or like they had done it just before that. What was it like nine bumps or something? Yeah, it was like, yeah, you had to connect some dots or do some thing or. Which was completely um, useless, by the way, Mitchell, but go on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Juiciness. Uh, Well, no, actually, I'll disagree with completely useless uh, because the point I'm going to make is that before that happened, it was odd and weird to have a password on your phone. Uh, And that normalized that as like just everybody has some kind of access control. Holy shit. I forgot about that completely. Like people thought you were weird because you had a password on your phone. They yeah, they thought you were like, shady. Why is there a password on it? And it's like, yeah, because it's my electronic. Because it's my phone and not yeah. yours. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I've forgotten about that completely. Uh, in terms of in terms of risk profile, I do have a question on this. Where does this rate in terms of like compared to something like uh, getting hit with a rainbow table attack? That is <laughs> this like, is, is it, so far below that. This is like. If someone's going to steal your phone and unlock it, they're just going to punch you and take your hand and unlock the phone. That's <laughs> probably <Yeah. laughs> yeah. That's the I mean that's the other that's the other problem with biometrics, right? Is they can beat you and then put your dead finger yeah. onto the thing and uh, it's still warm it's enough it'll probably reader, work. I'd say if it's a good reader, maybe not, but well, that's, that's, that's where face ID so, is better, right? Because you have to have your eyes open and paying attention to the camera. Well, what we were able to <laughs> effectively prove using the molding process is that to defeat capacitance scanners, all you probably would have to do is cut the skin off the finger and put it over your own and unlock it. So well, yeah. you could probably do the same thing with the face. That's some like face-off shit, though. <laughs> to, wait, to be real clear, to be clear, cut your cut the skin off the fake finger. Yeah. Right, right. Did <laughs> I say dead? <laughs> Before, in case anyone's following directions yeah, please, along. Please no interns were harmed in the course of this research. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny Joel said that though. now I'm just wondering if Paul has like some sort of apparatus to make a fake face with fake eyes to wiggle around. <laughs> don't wonder. Don't. Yeah, I, I'm don't sure wonder. I don't wonder at all. I don't wonder a little, <laughs> even a little. The other thing that we wanted to talk about today, uh, you know, so in, in the course of everything that we've seen over the last few weeks with Corona, with COVID-19, obviously just anytime there's any kind of global event, we see a lot of scams, right? And we see whether it's a hurricane or a earthquake or something, it doesn't really matter. Whatever kind of global catastrophe, uh, catastrophe on a global scale that we see, we see scams that pop up around it. 
Uh, Matt, you were telling us about a lot of the global efforts uh, to kind of combat a lot of these scams and, and what we're doing in terms of uh, collaboration and documentation mm -hmm. and actually proactively hunting some of these threats. And we wanted yeah. to dig into that a bit today. So uh, I've been at Cisco like uh, 14 years now uh, between Cisco and Sourcefire. Um, and so I've been, I've been vendor bound for a lot of years. And uh, I remember when I was in operations and at, at not a vendor that I wasn't aware of how much cooperation occurs just daily. Yeah. Like, like even outside, like, like an emergency, like I, I can reach out to, if you, if you think of a major security vendor, I know how to get hold of the research staff at that vendor and, and those vendors know how to get hold of us. And, and there's always something kind of in the background kind of percolating between vendors or um, between private researchers or, um, uh, you know, uh, alliances or whatever that have put together some kind of working group mm -hmm. or something else. Uh, and these can be driven by law enforcement. But just know that far more than you guys are ever aware of, there's constant low-level chatter communications between researchers about what's going on in the world. But that being said, unprecedented level of, like, everybody wants a piece of any asshole who's using COVID-19 uh, as as part of their uh, attack methodology, whether it is using phishing to to pursue your standard criminal activities, or whether you are um, providing fraudulent items, or you're selling crap ass masks out of you know whatever, any aspect of this, I can tell you that starting, I want to say like second week of March, maybe a little earlier our phone was like ringing off the hook from our law enforcement partners, um, national security partners, um, uh, working group at a cyber threat alliance, uh, a bunch of different um, externally sourced uh, larger things. And it's just, it is just, there's not been another event that has sort of Every single person, and this includes people on my staff as well. Like nobody is is everybody is eager to work on this project. Um, everybody out there is is working on this. So uh, I just kind of wanted to highlight that and kind of talk about some problems with that. Um, so like one of the things I think I can't remember what you guys mentioned it on the phone call uh, on the planning call is you get a whole lot of hands in the soup and you get uh, different levels of acceptance in terms of fogginess. Uh, so like if you're particularly if you're not a vendor, if you're a, if you're a, a, a freelance security researcher um, and you're just you're just trying to pull pull at threads and kind of making lists and kind of putting in the, into the, the funnel. It can actually be really difficult from a vendor to trust the data coming out of organizations like that. And so we do a whole lot of, of post processing on on uh, on items to kind of like, all right, is this. Is this good? Is it on a whitelist somewhere? When was it made? Is it associated with a known, uh, you know, a, a correctly acting organization? You know, lots of, of states now have URLs with like COVID-19 in it. Um, you know, there's coronavirus.cdc.gov is kind of like the, the main government thing. So it was just, it was just fascinating to me um, to kind of look at, at, just, I guess nobody had anything else to do when, when they were stuck in their house and they were just happy to spend this time on it. And so I've got just kind of learned to discuss that. 
that's kind of what's going on on our side. Yeah, everybody is homebound. Obviously, everybody wants to kind of lash back at the reason they're homebound. And this is the target of opportunity to do that, I guess. But this is also a situation that is affecting the globe equally. This isn't uh, like a lot of the other scams around global events that we see that those tend to affect one area, the fires in Australia, the mm -hmm. earthquake in California, the tsunami in you know, the Pacific. Um, but this is affecting everybody. So it does make maybe maybe make a little more sense that everybody is collectively like, OK, this is a big one. Like and this is affecting us all. So let's go after it. Yeah, I mean, the story is as much psychological as it is anything, because we're also seeing um, like people willing to like you're, there's always some amount of of ego and protectionism and and whatever involved in trying to get people to share information. Um, uh, intelligence is, you know, f like useful intelligence is really hard to make. And so it is yeah. high value. And so it's difficult to share that sometimes. It is a commodity. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and well, and and less useful or easier to obtain stuff is is more freely available. But what we're looking like here is really having to like dig into, hey, this is a new domain. Then you, you can't just say, well, it says COVID-19, so it must be bad. Now you have to figure out, okay, who registered? When did it register? Right. Where is it back? You know, test that website. Um, et cetera. And so it takes a lot of effort to get the stuff done. But people are super engaged and, and, and willing to work together more than I've seen them before and are actually willing to take steps and talk about the steps that they're taking in ways that that um, we haven't seen before. And so um, with the Australian Signals Directorate, for example, um, actually came out publicly last week and said they had engaged in offensive cyber operations against criminal elements that were utilizing COVID-19 as part of their operations, which is, I mean, on one hand, like fabulous. And on the other hand, it's like crazy. You have essentially what, you know, to for, for American listeners, like is the Australian National Security Agency, and they're redirecting, you know, efforts at, on what you would typically consider nation state to nation state sort of activity to go after low level um, criminal enterprise, uh, which is, you know, in my mind, fabulous. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just, it's nuts how, um, how this particular event has kind of unleashed that where other events haven't, like, uh, like we were obviously very involved in WannaCry and not Petya. And certainly in both those instances, there was a great deal of discussion, but nothing that kind of uh, mirrors the level of, I want to say, like, like the word I want to use, like vitriol, like nobody has any patience for these assholes and are willing to, to spend as much of their free time as possible going after them. And so it's interesting uh, to see what's possible and it'll be interesting to see what is possible in the future because we saw this was possible now. I think it is. Interesting. I mean, these these scammers are, are literally playing games with people's lives. I think that, you know, adds to that psychological effect that you're referring to, Matt. Yeah, and there's different, I mean, there's definitely different um, levels that we're looking at. So there are people kind of concerned with that level of not like uh, national security level. I think there was a, um, uh, I can't remember who it was, but one malware group actually came out. Uh, it was the group that had hit Lockheed in today's news. I can't remember who it was. Um, and had actually specifically said, we're not doing hospitals. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, which that. is, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, Mercy be you know, there's, you. because, because <laughs> when we get contacts, like we have different, we have different levels of friends. And so Dude, like some we're, of we're our bad guys, higher level, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, right. We're not dicks. We're just, you know. <laughs> we're trying to make um, money, too. So, I mean, come on. But our our first phone calls that we were receiving were from some, some what we would consider top-tier partners, and they were solely concerned about supply chain, um, hospitals, that kind of stuff. And then as the scope of, I think, as, as the public, as we all became more aware of, of the true scope of what we were looking at, um, then more people started going into the phishing campaigns, the fraud, you know, the, the, that kind of work as well. So there's, there's a number of different elements in here. Without going too much into the actual threats, because that's, that's a little bit less important, like what the actual threats that we're seeing are. We always collaborate to some degree through certain industry organizations like Cyber Threat Alliance or through informal partnerships. But what's different about the way that this communication is happening? I mean, other than just scale, I mean, maybe it is just a scale of it. I'm not sure. No, scale is important. Like, so, you know, I mean, it, it depends on who we're yeah. talking to, um, right? So, and, and that's always yeah. been true. But what is interesting and what's been, what is not surprising if you've used it is, is uh, MISP has adver- emerged as kind of like the stand-up rapid, like, hey, if we all need to cha- change some information, we're gonna do it. we can put it into sticks and we can throw it into MISP. And so I've seen MISP um, um, set up fairly quickly. So, I guess one of the things that that might be useful to people if they don't have a MISP server is to have one set up. Um, and I would advise you to use it like like there's reasons for you to use it internally, and uh, you know for 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 um, kind of maintaining your own internal intelligence. But also when opportunities to share um, or consume intelligence that's made available via MISP um, are done, it's really easy to to ingest from one MISP instance to another. Um, and so if you build controls that leverage MISP as kind of the centerpiece of that, then as these things occur in the future, and if MISP continues to be used as kind of the de facto sort of open source standard for, for exchanging this information, it's really easy to, to kind of build a, a kind of a, a channel of information that goes right into your controls. Mm-hmm. And can you, is there any kind of um, results to this effort that you could share? Um, I didn't pull numbers, um, which maybe would have been smart had I been, you know, a smart boy. <laughs> um, but, but like, I, I would just say that they're, they're just, you cannot register a domain currently, um, that has not just like coronavirus, you know, or, or COVID. COVID, but like mask or like any of a hundred other like keywords without, a ton of different individuals and companies scouring what it is you're doing, blocking first to make and asking sure questions that, that later. Well, I mean, we don't like like we don't do that, but, but what we do, like for example, is um, if if we go to to look at the resources associated with that domain, say is registered, and we learn early that it's registered and it hasn't been attached to any kind of infrastructure, it goes into a circular list where like we're constantly checking. All right, is it up doing something now? Is it doing something now? And as soon as there's something up for us to evaluate. Then we can make a better decision on, um, you know, is it is it good or bad? Unless there's some like pieces of metadata that are associated with it that kind of line it with other registrations that we've seen, and then in those cases we'll we'll block first, and they can always call us and ask us to block if we've made an error, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, you got to be. I mean, look, uh, you have to like. It's a there's a tension like like we've we have you know we have written um, root cause analysis documents where essentially what the document said was you know in the interest of protecting you we lean forward on this block and it turned out to be wrong 
um, it's it's happened, and and you 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 cannot be. I don't think it's possible for you to be moving as quickly as you need to move now without occasionally making some errors, which is why it's important to have a good streamlined resolution process mm-hmm. for for resolving those. Well, yeah, um, because you don't want to be the guy that blocked a domain that's being helpful in the cause. Right. You know? Right. And and, and I, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw stones at at um, at any particular company because you know you're going to have false positives. So, I mean, and the problem, the problem that, not the problem, because I don't want to make it sound like there's been a ton of this, but one of the concerns we have with our current, with the amount of current participation is we're participating with people that we haven't worked with in the past, just because of how many of them. And we also know that our partners are partnering with people that they have in the past. And so, like, there's this kind of chain of custody sort of concern. So there are very few feeds for coronavirus kind of related stuff that we take at face value currently like they they all get an additional level of scrutiny just because there's so much both both um, malicious and you know benign occurring um that we have to really kind of sort carefully through what we're blocking what we're not blocking and let's and let's take that on into the round table nigel uh you're working on your guitars there having a little bit of fun uh anything else in your mind as we round this up for a closing thought and a parting shot. I tweeted the picture of the cookie cutter. So I answered you back. I told you what I, I saw like that. I told you what it was. I like the roadkill duck. Roadkill duck was funny. Roadkill duck. <laughs> it's obviously like some weird angle of something that's not like a full it's on a profile ghost. shot. You're supposed to. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, you see what I mean? Ghost? All you've got is the outline, and you have to then fill in with the icing to make it look it's like whatever it's yeah. supposed to be. Like this. Uh, I see some no kind of, what it is. I see some kind of like horse legs and a bag. I don't, anyway, I don't know. Anyway, to, I have to no see what, what we're discussing, follow English LFC on Twitter. You're welcome. Joel, closing thought, parting shot. What's on your mind today, buddy? Oh, Take God. You know what? Make the use of the technology. Make use of the best technologies that you have. Um, you know, we're all, we all have computers. Um, that listen to this podcast at least. And, uh, you know, these computers can do many wonderful things for you. So make sure that you're using them to their fullest potential. What? Yeah. They can do all kinds of awesome things for you. Like, I mean, just look at me and Matt's faces right now. Nope. <laughs> True story. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, closing thought, parting shot, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I hope everyone's doing okay out there. I would encourage everyone to get a little bit of face-to-face interaction with folks over telepresence or web, whatever the hell tool they like to use. Uh, I think it's also important that as we've seen people try and make sure that if they're downloading any sort of strange tools to alter their appearance in these meetings, that they verify that the source is trusted and maybe Who the hell just would don't... do something like that, though? I have clicked every snap filter that, that exists. <laughs> Yesterday oh, or, or, during the meeting when I or at least I was doing this, load up the amp client and click away. Thank you. <laughs> I can tell you, I was going through them so quickly that I hit the API limit for Snap yesterday. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> I did. That's a concern. Who does that? That Matt, closing thought, parting shot. Uh, I want to say thank you to like all the operations engineers and people yes. that are holding everything together. Like even the dumbest stuff. Like uh, playing Rainbow Six Siege last week, it was 
rickety, but it worked. <laughs> like there were like pieces that like 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 some of the stats stuff wasn't working, but they had like record new like users like playing it because it's one of the most popular first person shooters out there. And there's a bunch of people at home looking for something to do. So, you know, you know, obviously our healthcare workers, grocery store workers, food delivery folks, they're they're awesome as well. But but also everybody that's just making making it possible to to stay sane uh, while we're all doing our self-containment thing. Thank you very much. We want to thank you all for joining us today. And we hope you enjoy uh, the extra content that we're putting out right now. And we know that it's not the uh not the best of times, but sure as hell is a great time for our downloads. So. <laughs> last, I, I enjoyed last week's content much more than I did this week's <laughs> content. Was, was <laughs> are we going to see? Are we going to see how Sammy's getting along next week? We should. Check, I was thinking we should, we should invite Sammy yeah, back. We should, yeah, idea. we should check back in on Sammy <laughs> and, and check that. Uh, but hey, listen, uh, let us know if you have any questions that you want us to answer on the next Unstructured podcast. We had a lot of fun with that last time. Uh, Joel was asking us questions from the audience. So stay safe and try and keep yourself sane. And until next time, cheers. Peace. <laughs>